where we're looking at our logistical capacity and try to influence this order sourcing based on what is from a logistical capacity standpoint uh, most efficient when making that decision. So not only based it on, uh, on cost, but also capacity. Given uh, these inputs, we, yeah, we can influence the order sourcing decisions with this sort of automated uh, uh, order, so order sourcing steering. Uh, you can imagine these, that these Excel tools are not uh, extremely flexible. So that's where the need for uh, yeah, more advanced tooling uh, became present. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Welcome, welcome back to a new episode of the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. And as we're recording it, it's kind of a special day. It's Black Friday, so it's always an interesting day for us to see how things are evolving and how well our uh, landscape is dealing with uh, peak loads. But we have already made lots of episodes about that, so we dive into a completely different or maybe even related uh, topic. Peter, how do you see it's related? Now I understand you're improvising, uh, Peter Paul. You're ruining my intro. <laughs> you're already telling I always everything. do. But, but did you already have a look at all the Lego advertisements on the on the site, uh, Peter Paul? Did you already order them for your kids? Yeah, so I, I'm still doubting between uh, one of the Lego Ferraris and the McLaren uh, Formula One uh, car. Which one would you? Yeah, your Formula One for car. So yeah, that's obviously. I don't McLaren. even. I'm not even going to answer <laughs> this question. <laughs> so that's solved for now. Okay, so you, everybody understands. Uh, on, on Black Friday, we're busy with uh, looking at the numbers and uh, having a look at our site. Um, so the, indeed, the, the topic of today is very related to that. It's about um, order sourcing and uh, in relation with data science. So to simulate uh, the whole process and, uh, and what is uh, behind it. Um, but I, I think uh, we have to introduce the guest, but then structure it, explain what order sourcing is, uh, and then what the data science brings to this, uh, this whole uh, business process. So Peter Paul, start with the introduction of the guests. Yeah, definitely. And I uh, hope that I don't uh, ruin the, the great things they have to say uh, about it, because in the end, they're the specialists. We're just here to guide them. Hey, so we have uh, Bart Terfza here today, who's a data scientist uh, in the logistics uh, department, uh, where all this uh, uh, order sourcing uh, takes place. And we have uh, Timo van Hooydonk, who's a business analyst and product owner in the same team, I guess. So welcome both. Thanks. Thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah, Thank great to have you. Introduction. Happy to uh, to join this podcast. Yeah, awesome. You're here with us. So then the first question, and I think it's on the mind of uh, some of our listeners at least, what is order sourcing? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine then that that is one of the first questions uh, people have listening uh, to this podcast. Um, order sourcing basically is the process uh, within logistics where we are translating a webshop order, so uh, an order placed on, a, on our website, uh, to something that we actually can fulfill logistically. So uh, 
it's that translation step that we call uh, order sourcing. Um, so for example, to make it even more concrete, um, this morning I uh, ordered uh, some AirTags uh, as a good uh, Paul.com customer on Black Friday. Um, and um, that can be fulfilled in many ways. So um, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know actually for about the AirTags, but it can be in multiple warehouses. Uh, so we have to make a choice. Are we going to fulfill it from BFC or are we going to fulfill it from Veerweg? And we have many transporter options. So are we going to transport it with PostNL or DHL? Um, yeah, so that's a, an example of what choices we have to make in order sourcing. Exactly. So this is really the part where we uh, capture, let, let's say, a customer order and then see, OK, and how do we get this thing from this virtual agreement to uh, tangible uh, people uh, walking in warehouses and transporters moving it to the customer and everything that's in that process there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it can it can it can be our own warehouses, right? But also our network of sellers, right? With uh, forty thousand sellers, they have their own warehouses as well. So it's it's the combination. Yeah. Yeah. Good good addition. Yeah. So of course it it uh, encompasses the whole uh, all our logistical uh, abilities capabilities. Yeah. yeah. And and especially at a day like this where we're uh, experiencing, uh, let's say, a peak load of uh, of demand. Uh, I think that, yeah, let's say, capacity steering. So, what's handled by what warehouse is one of the important factors in order sourcing. What other factors are there? What what's relevant to do this well? This order sourcing. Yeah, maybe to add, uh, because in our team we uh, we are dealing with order sourcing, but basically this order sourcing decision itself. Uh, it's not part of our team. I just have to clarify that because maybe else uh, other teams are gonna, <laughs> getting angry at us. Uh, because what we are, um, uh, Team Helm, our team is responsible for, is uh, more of the steering decisions on the order, order sourcing. So uh, we are more looking uh, at it from a capacity perspective. Uh, where we're looking at our logistical capacity and try to influence this order sourcing based on what is from a logistical capacity standpoint uh, most efficient. But of course that's not the only consideration uh, you have to take into account. Capacity is just one. Uh, often and originally mostly we looked at costs because uh, uh, we just looked at only where is it cheapest to fulfill from, and that was always the option uh, that we chose. So this capacity is actually a new addition to this uh, order sourcing logic. Can you make it concrete eh, when you use this example that you just shared? Eh? You you bought this uh, this AirTags, right? This morning. Yeah. yeah. How does it work for order sourcing? What what happens with uh, with it? So I think how it uh, how order sourcing used to work uh, is that uh, basically it was just a step by step process of uh, looking at yeah what options do we have which one is cheapest and pick the cheapest one uh, and 
Uh, our team uh, also developed tooling where we also look at uh, capacity, where we look at where is it most uh, busy or uh, least busy, and also take that as an extra consideration into account when making that decision. So not only based it on, uh, on cost, but also capacity. So, so order sourcing itself is on the on the level of, of the order itself, right? With the number of items in it. And you said capacity steering is the is a higher level. It's looking at the whole network with all the the, the capacity available in different warehouses, what's already going on in the warehouses and with the, the logistical partners. But is that the situation? Um, I think order sourcing is, is a broader term. And where uh, we as uh, team cap the capacity steering uh, have a, a, a small part okay. in it, uh, where we're looking at the capacity part of this uh, order sourcing. And to, to add to that, we, we mainly, mainly focus at daily capacity steering. So uh, other teams already decided how much capacity will be available in the warehouses and also where the stock will be allocated. So given uh, these inputs, we yeah, we can influence the order sourcing decisions with this sort of automated uh, uh, order, so order sourcing steering. Exactly. So your team is not involved in, uh, let's say, uh, let's say we, we bought these AirTags at, uh, let's say, Apple, and we, this, so it, it's not about how to distribute it over warehouses so orders can be fulfilled. It's given that there are so many in warehouse A, so in B, so in C, and then dividing the orders over these warehouses to get to a good capacity so that not one of the warehouses is like 120% of its capacity and one at 30, for example. That's basically uh, then what it's about, right? Yeah, exactly, because some warehouses are just simply cheaper than other warehouses. And mm -hmm. if you only look at costs, then everything will be sent to the cheapest warehouse. Yeah. And that will lead to uh, exceeding the capacity, which you don't exactly. want. And, and we, we talk a lot about capacity. What, what do we mean? Well, because I think that there are people running there doing stuff, picking orders or also putting away orders. What's the, the things that you're looking at uh, if, if you talk about capacity? Capacity is, is a broad term, uh, and for now uh, our team had to uh, yeah, focus on specific parts uh, of the logistical process, uh, because we can go from inbound to stock to outbound to, to distribution. So uh, up until now, our team is mainly focused on the outbound process and the distribution process. So the process to get something from the warehouse to our customer. Uh, and all the steps in between. Uh, so we're looking at the, those capacities. Exactly. So it's mostly getting these orders to the customer and are there um, making sure that there are no, no bottlenecks there. So indeed, uh, the customers get these as at the time we promised them. That's uh, the most important there for us. Yeah, and so that, 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 that requires people uh, picking it out of stock Putting it into uh, putting it in, into a package, uh, and that can either be done manually uh, with people actually <laughs> packing it in, mm -hmm. uh, or it can be done uh, through machines that we have in our warehouses. Uh, and in the end, it's uh, it's the shipping part, yeah, which which for which we have uh, many different partners uh, doing the distribution. So that yeah, that does mean that you also have a lot of 
incoming information about the, the current situation in a specific warehouse, right? Because machines can go uh, in, in, in a defect or uh, so you have to take care of a lot of yeah, information and uh, numbers to steer it. Yeah, so um, th that's one of the important things uh, our team is doing. Uh, actually, we're listening and uh, to, to different services uh, all the time to get a good sense of what is going on at this moment in time uh, or up until this moment uh, of the day. Uh, also to get a sense of what is ahead of us, what, what, how, what will the rest of the day look like and are we still able to manage everything uh, or is it, it going to be much more busy or much less busy than we expected? Uh, and then we have to yeah, start to uh, come into action, uh, so to say. Yeah, that's a and good addition. Good addition eh? So it's it's real based on real time information from the systems, but it uh, it is a, a prediction towards the near future eh? within the day, the capacity within the day. That's what you explained. So you have to make predictions. Yeah, so today is most important indeed, but we are also making predictions for the days ahead. As you can imagine that if we would exceed capacity today, that we uh, yeah, probably want to move that load to uh, maybe tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. Okay, it's also taken into account. Yeah, but Paul, is the context clear for you? Do you have yeah, I think so. A good view. I think we have a good view uh, on this now. Eh? Now that now that the context is clear, okay. Yeah, we, we have an idea of the of the issue at hand or what we're trying to solve. But maybe it's good to also, yeah, kind of give a like a problem statement because that's things we love with uh, data science, right? And the context and the and the boundaries of this for the solution. How does that look? What what's what's the problem we're really trying to solve? Yeah, I think I think uh, uh, the problem is mostly about the le this last topic we we touched upon. Mm -hmm. So it's it's uh, looking at how are we doing now and making a prediction for what's what's ahead of us and how can we best predict that uh, okay. and also include there the different type of actions we have taken or will be taking uh, with regards to yet yeah, to steer it in the right way that's also why we're called capacity steering because we have to make certain decisions to steer it uh, as good as we can Okay, hey, and and uh, when you try to assess uh, how are things at this point in time, then I have an idea. So basically, you have kind of a, a prediction of what the, of the of the needed capacity per warehouse. You have like the actual capacity, maybe some disruptions that are going on. I think that these are the factors, or am I missing some? Yes, yes, indeed. So we have a yeah within our IT team, we are constantly monitoring uh, what is happening. So we mm -hmm. uh, the the actual uh, capacities that we have available today are just constantly uh, yeah uh, tracked, mm -hmm. or at least the the usage of it is constantly be, being tracked. And you can, for instance, imagine if a machine breaks down uh, on a certain backline, then they can also uh, reduce that capacity. So I said. Uh, yeah, we incorporate this effect of, uh, of the machine uh, breaking down. And, and then we, uh, so, th so that then these are kind of boundaries uh, for, for to, to solve the problem and the, the, the capacity and, uh, and all these things. 
you mentioned already two things. Eh? We don't want to exceed a certain capacity and we still strive for minimal cost, I guess, but not minimal, minimal, because then we would kind of uh, overload one of the things. Are these the, 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 the main drivers of the, of the solution or are there other aspects uh, that we take into account as well? Well, uh, the main drivers are indeed costs and capacity, yeah. definitely. Uh, that's just how the, uh, the order sourcing logic works. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is based on cost and it is by default trying to choose the, the cheapest option. And we can manipulate this, this decision uh, with uh, um, a model that is yeah, looking at the fail rates of the warehouses. So how busy is it at the moment yeah. to, uh, to influence this cost decision? Yeah, maybe uh, to add to that. So uh, uh, we're all always looking at costs, capacity and uh, the customer, of course. So mm. uh, the basic assumption that is uh, <laughs> that's actually the start of this all. If we promise the, the, the customer something, we also want to deliver on that promise. So uh, that's also why we're constantly looking at can we make it? Uh, it's mostly because uh, yeah, can we still make that promise to our customer? Maybe maybe besides that, eh? uh, but it just pops up. Uh, uh, when you go to the web shop uh, and you want to order something as a customer, you see uh, it can be delivered next day or it can only be delivered uh, the day after. And we call that, uh, I think it's uh, it's the service calendar, so to say. I'm not sure how it's in English. Yeah. Uh, service window. Um, is that also something you uh, you influence or, or you steer on your advice to? Yeah, not? so so definitely uh, yes. Um, so uh, uh, the service scatter is is I think one of the most important levers we call it. So it's it's uh, a method on how to steer, uh, which can influence uh, yeah when we have to process something within the warehouse. So you can imagine that uh, normally you if you order before 12 at night, uh, yeah we'll bring it uh, or we process it in the night and we bring it to you the next day. So if it's really busy uh, and, and Black Friday uh, is a good example, it's often very busy. Uh, so if we uh, if we're looking at where it looks like we're exceeding capacity, so there's too many orders coming in and we don't have enough capacity, then the service scatter indeed is one of the tools we can use uh, to change it. So we can uh, we pick a number of uh, products, uh, which we then reduce the service scatter for. So, for example, we'd reduce the service scatter to 10 at night. So all the orders between 10 and 12, we have an extra day, day to process that at the warehouse because it's only going to de be delivered not the next day, but the day after. Uh, so, so that's a, a very good way to balance out our, uh, our intake over the different days. That's one of the results as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, when you go back to the, the things you want to achieve, when did uh, data science pop up as uh, as a possible solution to uh, to this issue? Um, well, I think our team was created about one and a half year uh, years ago. So the the current IT team, uh, that's what I mean then, um, which is called uh, daily capacity steering. Um, and before that. Um, to do what we are currently doing, there were 
just no data scientists uh, uh, involved. So it was purely the operations uh, who were making uh, the estimates uh, of the load on the warehouses. Put the info the days coming. They were also the ones who were uh, putting these uh, service cadres, as you as you mentioned, who are determining these 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 levers to to break the intake. And yeah, they they mainly uh, did this using uh, Excel, so just some uh, Excel-based tools, and also uh, another dashboard that we had available for them, where they uh, used they looked at the the current intake numbers and uh, combined this with historical intake patterns to, to make a prediction of what the day would look like and what the total intake uh, of the day would be um, to estimate which levers they would have to pull to break intake uh, and to steer. And uh, you can imagine these, that these Excel tools are not uh, extremely flexible and especially with the increasing uh, logistical uh, network complexity. So we have uh, more and more warehouses, more more transporters. It just becomes very hard to to do to do this uh, using an Excel-based tool. Um, and yeah, it also becomes harder to to capture the effect of levering on one warehouse and to to incorporate the effect of, of that lever on possibly other warehouses or distributors. So that's where the need for uh, yeah, more advanced tooling uh, became present. So actually, the the way you describe it, this Excel uh, way is like data science uh, 0.1 version, um, so to say. Uh, but it it, be, it became too complex in uh, basically, and uh, you needed to make a step, right? That's uh, how I see it. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So how, how did you start uh, with, with your team? What did you do? Well, um, there was already a podcast recorded uh, earlier, to, uh, about two years ago, about, uh, the, about our simulation, actually. And that's yeah. still the simulation that we are using to a certain degree. Um, but back then, it was mainly used to, uh, to evaluate the sourcing strategy, so the, the cost-based selection algorithm. Um, so the, that tool was already available, and that also uh, made us decide to 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 proceed with this approach, um, because at that moment that was the best uh, available uh, uh, method to to make these uh, uh, these estimates for the day. Yeah. So basically, what we're doing, and then I think that we're also coming back to where we started about this order sourcing, basically to estimate what the rest of the day is going to look like we are simulating this order sourcing process so we're doing a simulation of we predict what type of what do we expect um, uh, what kind of web shop what what kind of orders uh, will be coming in and we are simulating that uh, through the yeah an order sourcing simulation tool and what we get out is yeah, what do we have to logistically logistically fulfill for the rest of the day and the and the coming uh, coming days? Okay, so does that mean that you um, you're not doing that for every order, right? You you're creating scenarios, and and those will be changed during the day. How, how do um, how do I have to see that? 
yeah so our simulation tool can be used to uh, to 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 re-simulate uh, the actual uh, orders that were placed on the website and that were converted to uh, to a set of warehouse orders that's how we call them so how it will be the, uh, distributed to the customer that can also be used to to make an estimate for the future so that means that you have to create your own shop order input set so that's the set of orders that people put uh, placed on the website and if you can make a good estimate of what uh, what people will order then the result of your simulation will also be quite accurate and of course we are not simulating all the shop orders because that would also uh, mean that the simulation would be quite slow so we yeah. use a, a smaller sample to uh, to improve the speed and so we just sample a number of shop orders and we uh, we, we multiply the eventual result with, with, with the sampling weight Okay, and how, how do we, have, because for the simulation you want to be it as realistic as possible, but you have to basically narrow down the data set that you're using with. Uh, how do you make sure that's, a, let's say, a representative data set? Because that, that's an also always one of the questions, right? Yeah, indeed, that's, I think, the, the most valid, uh, valid question. The, it really depends on the input that you provide to the simulation, mm -hmm. what, uh, what the output would look, will look like. So what we... What we did to, to improve this um, is predicting different sales characteristics. Mm -hmm. And then you can think of uh, how many orders will be placed in, in the Netherlands, or how many will be placed in Belgium, um, but also how many orders will be uh, there for a certain size group, so very small items or big items. Yeah. And we do, we do that by looking at, um, at orders placed uh, in the morning, so for today we do that by looking at, uh, at orders in the morning and then we extrapolate that to what will be uh, these numbers for the remainder of the day mm -hmm. and we we use this information to to adjust um, the shop orders that we provide into the simulation to make them more represent actual orders for today exactly but then you could also have like an effect, I don't know whether that's there, that people order different stuff in the morning, then in the afternoon, then in the evening. And you also have to accommodate for that in the uh, kind of sets of shop orders that you feed into the system, uh, right? Yes, yeah, true, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It's, because it's, in the end, it's about predicting customer behavior, right? Uh, and not just on the forecasting level, but also like, um, yeah, the differences over a day uh, 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 which have impact uh, like in the size groups and uh, the number of um, items per order things like that uh, uh, how, how these fluctuate uh, in a in a day yeah so indeed uh, the simulation is is on a very detailed level and captures all these details but in the end we we want to have a sort of high overestimate of what the what the load on the warehouse will be so these are much more aggregated numbers so the we, we provide, of course, a set of shop orders, but the actual items that are being ordered don't influence that much the, the end result of the total uh, items on the warehouse. Ah, okay, okay, yeah, well, yeah. And, and and then one of the challenges also that in the simulation you have to be quite detailed, but the data you're providing to really do the steering has can't have that level of detail because then yeah, people don't 
tend to understand that anymore because that's also why we can't do it in Excel anymore. Yeah, so how, how, how you should see it is that we just take a, a set of historical shop orders and we, we adjust that set uh, slightly okay. yeah. to make it more representable for today. Exactly. I think that uh, would be a good summary. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, so to trying to to summarize to summarize it for myself. So on the one hand, you are in in the area of uh, predicting indeed what the customer will do on the web shop, and you combine that with historical data to to make a prediction for the day. The next step is to to use that as input for the simulation for the for the warehouses, and then you have this outcome and for this outcome you have to to roll that up and and uh, use the, and give that as usable information for the real uh, order sourcing is that yeah maybe the three steps or do i miss something in it yeah so you have to imagine that that operations is, is looking at the dashboard where where they look at aggregated numbers so uh, just in, in in number of items and shipments intake on a certain warehouse and on certain Distribute, uh, distributors. Um, yeah, so maybe good. So maybe good to add is that uh, indeed, especially this last step, uh, like we have to aggregate it because we are uh, our team is also providing dashboard dashboarding to uh, our operational counterpart, uh, and they are looking into all the numbers and these predictions, and they are actually the one who are putting on these service scatters. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they are uh, actually the one pulling this this lever and uh, and setting it up. So our team is is supplying them with all the necessary information. Hey, and in in these steps, what are the biggest challenges for you to uh, to achieve this? Um, yeah, from a technical perspective, then maybe uh, I can best elaborate a bit on that. Um, is that of course our order sourcing simulation is very detailed. Um, so it's also quite hard to capture uh, all the details in the simulation um, and to, to really mimic the, the behavior of the real uh, order sourcing logic. We have to think of, uh, of stock levels, uh, gathering all the possible backline options, distribution options, um, incorporating um, the, the, the automatic balancing by uh, yeah, our other service that is doing that. So correctly incorporating this effect. So that's, I think, one thing, just making sure that you capture uh, the right details and enough of the de these details. Um, and then I think the main challenge is making a representable input set for the shop orders, that it correctly represents what people will be ordering today to make a good estimate. I think that that would be the main challenge. Hey, and, and maybe business-wise, Timo? Uh, I definitely uh, think it's <laughs> convincing our users, so the, the people using our dashboarding and our tooling, uh, who were quite recently uh, uh, and to some extent still are uh, using Excel in their way of working, try to convince that that our estimation is actually better than uh, their own estimation. And uh, I think the challenge there is that uh, they are really uh, believe in their own Excel tooling. They know all the ins and outs of their own yeah. Excels, but this big black box that uh, which is doing the simulation with the prediction, with all the level of detail, 
for them, it's quite hard to understand what is happening there. And although we are convinced that it is more accurate than their uh, Excel uh, estimation, uh, we still need to convince them that that estimation is uh, uh, is as good or better than uh, their their own Excel estimation. It's a nice point you uh, you're triggering uh, for me, Timo. The the feedback loop. So uh, you you have this this uh, these different steps. It ends with the uh, with the dashboarding and the, uh, the results. But how do you then improve to the to the first step again? How do you verify your results? Is, is that also something you uh, you're doing already? Uh, this one is for you, uh, Bart. <laughs> yeah, so we, we create a dashboard uh, for ourselves, so not for uh, our operational counterpart, for ourselves to to get all the insights that we that we need to monitor our performance. So we are monitoring. Uh, our predictions of the sales characteristics, so of what, what people will be ordering and whether that turned out to be correct. Um, but also we are uh, yeah, evaluating our predictions for the total intake on the warehouses and on the distributors. So this dashboard is the main tool to evaluate uh, our performance. Based on the dashboard, you can uh, steer the, the predictions again. You can uh improve uh, maybe some some uh, variables or parameters yeah exactly it it can it, it will definitely give the leads to to start searching where uh, where, where you can improve and where possible uh, issues uh, are coming from and can you elaborate a little for me on how to how to how you incorporate this in into the model uh, then because you want to make some improvements but that's all always uh, uh, one of the things i Things a little hard to grasp, at least for me. Does that work? So at least what what what, what we are doing is uh, every week at least we have a, a, a meeting with our stakeholder who are using our dashboard. So mm -hmm. during the week they are actively using our tool uh, yeah. in parallel basically to the Excel's uh, they were using. So they have both methods uh, available. And they're really looking closely at what are we seeing during the week. And whenever okay. they, they see some kind of outlier or a weird pattern or weird behavior, uh, they write it down or they directly inform us like, hey, this, this day or this hour is looking weird. Uh, and based on that information, we can dive into the details of what happened during that time uh, and dive into the details about it. Is it, does it have something to do with the number of shipments? Uh, was it a certain warehouse where it went wrong? Uh, so we can, yeah, by asking more detailed questions and having this internal dashboarding to do some uh, incident finding, uh, we can uh, have a better uh, idea of where the problem is uh, within our tool. In the beginning, you explained that um... And the, the, the first version was based on Excel um, and, and uh, then data science popped in to, uh, to improve on this process um, and to make, uh, to make it uh, work with, with the, 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 the huge complexity, so to say. But now the, the question pops up in my mind. Okay, uh, two weeks ago we had this example that one of our partners uh, got uh, bankrupted, uh, one of our logistical partners. Uh, which was unfortunately, but we had to react on it as uh, as a platform. And now I realize, okay, that this is also for you of influence, right? 
how flexible is, is this solution and can you easily adapt on such a thing? Yeah, so one thing that's, uh, that, that you can do to, to react on that is just re- decreasing the capacity of, uh, of a certain partner to zero, uh, such that this partner will not be uh, an option anymore in our simulation. So this, uh, this partner can then no, then no longer be used to, uh, yeah, to, to bring this item to the customer. So it's quite easy. Yeah, so that's quite easy indeed. Yeah. In this example, <laughs> in this example, indeed, uh, we are getting our inf- capacity information also from from other sources. So in in this case, uh, we didn't have to do uh, anything. But I think that the the, the uh, what you are asking uh, does indeed have effect. So for every new uh, warehouse we build or every new transporter uh, there's built. Most of the times we we try to build stuff that's uh, uh, that we're just listening to other services and we can automatically pick up these new things. Uh, but oftentimes we still have to tweak our simulation a little bit to uh, incorporate this new transporter or this new warehouse or this new way of uh, yeah, new logistical way to fulfill an order. And I can imagine that when you have that, uh, uh, you don't have historical data for such a new part, uh, partner. So that, that's where you have to learn as well, right? And, uh, when you start working with uh, with a new partner or with a new warehouse. Yeah, yeah so the, the, the predictions that we make for which we need training data, those are much more higher over predictions. So the, like I mentioned, on the, on the country level or on a certain size group levels, so if you just add one uh, transporter, and uh, then that will not have a major influence on the uh, on the simulation result. And what is the coolest thing part uh, you achieve with uh, within this area? For uh, if you look at data science, that's really something. Uh, wow, this is cool. Good question. I think uh, the the coolest thing we did, and what also uh, results in the largest improvement uh, of our model. Uh, was actually making these uh, these predictions of the sales characteristics because uh, before that we didn't do that and we we sort of assumed that people would order the same sort of shop orders as they did uh, as they did before which is of course not true because uh, it also highly depends on for instance some promotions or whatever uh, some seasonal characteristics um, so by making these predictions of the sales characteristics yeah, we just improved our model a lot. I think that's uh, yeah, the coolest thing that we did recently. Awesome. How does that work in 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 the in the platform? Uh, because hey, for uh, for order sourcing, we need these predictions. But I uh, I believe that we also need these predictions for uh, our buyers, right, and our sellers to to buy stuff. Do you uh, do you share that with each other, or are we inventing the wheel in different places? Yeah, I think at the moment it's mostly the the, the latter case <laughs> because okay. we are not that much in contact at the moment uh, to to share these uh, these these predictions. Yeah, um, I also think, especially when looking at buying and and stuff like that, it's uh, the the time horizon is a bit different. Uh, right. Yeah. So we are really looking at the day itself, uh, or maybe uh, the next couple of days. Uh, 
but yeah, when stuff runs out of stock and we need to order new stuff, uh, it has a different horizon. Then we have to place an order and it takes a couple of uh, days uh, or maybe weeks to come in. Um, so yeah, that's that's a, a different kind of process. But, uh, from a, from a distance, it it looks the same, but it, this is indeed the, the it's in the but, different different area, different yeah. triangles, different uh, yeah. different horizon. Yeah. I, I yeah. think definitely in in the future, I, I would really hope that we can uh, exchange more information, uh, and I can imagine that if we already know that a certain uh, item is being ordered a lot, uh, that we can uh, give a alert to uh, the, the buyers uh, who can then already start buying even before it's already sold. Yeah, that, that of course that would be amazing. Uh, unfortunately, we're not uh, we're not there yet. No, uh, uh, but at the same time, what what we have now, we don't have data science things in place. But for the people who do the purchasing, we, they really look at the sales da dashboard. So uh, what products are, are uh, products are trending? How is our things evolving in the in the last week? But also some of the peaks, uh, for example, uh, added toys for, for, for today for Black Friday, but also for Santa Claus, the Christmas, uh, the holiday period. Yeah, you can't just buy that a few days up front. You basically, our season there starts uh, around summer because we really start to uh, build up inventory to, to get to that point. Otherwise, we won't be able to, after the short lead time, and, and get to the customer demand. So it's hard to have this day-to-day uh, -day data used in that process it's it's more on the, sh the short time um uh, let's say um uh, replenishment cycle but not for these uh, these uh, uh, peak moments uh, it's a way out of prediction yeah. Yeah, yeah and i think uh, we, we also need a lot of improvements into our simulation still because i think we are now quite good at simulating like how much intake or how many orders or items do we expect on a certain warehouse? But doing such a prediction on a product level, uh, I mean, is, 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 is way, way harder and uh, requires way more accuracy. Uh, and that is definitely not something we can uh, do accurately now. Cool, cool to hear. It's always yeah. so much things uh, <laughs> behind a, 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 just a, a, a small process in the whole chain of uh, getting the eventually the order to the customer. Hey, Peter Paul, I saw that you were processing still. Do, do, yeah. do you have questions left before I we think go to it's, the closing round? It's pretty clear. And I think that we uh, have a good overview of what's, uh, what's happening here in the in the order sourcing, what we improved uh, compared to the others. Are we using data science there? Uh, in perspective, eh, um, you also uh, already made a, a reference to the other podcast that we, uh, uh, yeah, where we're doing experiments with our warehouse. Uh, and there we were already uh, referencing the forecasting uh, that we improved by, by data safety. And it's really great to see these uh, these things also building upon each other. And I think that that's typically where we uh, don't invent the wheel uh, multiple times, but we're really building tools. And, and, you, and what I also see there is that you, yeah, you need some foundations to get to the next level and to get to the next level. And that's also what Timo was kind of suggesting in, in his, uh, one of his latest remarks. Yeah. And of course, we still also want to improve this and this. And I think that <laughs> that drives always awesome uh, to see. Yeah. So, yeah, from that perspective, I think it's it's good to go to the closing round and uh, ask both Bart and Timo. Uh, yeah, what's your most important takeaway? What do you want uh, the listeners to remember whenever you listen to this podcast? 
Um, well, I think from data science perspective, uh, that it, it is always really important to keep validating your model. Uh, so keep checking whether you get the output, especially in simulation, uh, that you are expecting from your inputs. I think that is a major part uh, also to make this visible in, uh, for instance, a dashboard and share this information with your stakeholder. Uh, and that also brings me to my second point. This, this whole stakeholder interaction you can use this dashboard to, to, to convince them that your predictions are accurate enough. Um, and they and yeah, the whole interaction on itself uh, helps you to, to, to determine where you can improve next. Yeah, I, th I think uh, Bart uh, uh, mostly answered my question as well, because it would definitely be on the side of uh, how to take uh, uh, your consumers along. Uh, we ne really need our stakeholders to use this prediction, else we are building it for nothing. Uh, so hard as it is to convince them that it is the best method and that our predictions are better. And uh, to give them insights as much as we can in how we are doing it and how well we are doing it. Uh, I think that's the best way to uh, slowly gain their trust and uh, eventually uh, lead to adoption. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for uh, uh, joining us in this uh, episode. I, again, really learned a lot and that's uh, something I really like about this episode. So thanks uh, for joining us. Yeah, I was about to say the same. Thanks uh, guys for joining. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!